Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much again for this day that you have made, O Lord God, for we shall rejoice and be also glad in it, O Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, O Lord God, to study your word today and to fellowship with you here in our midst, O Lord God. And I pray, Heavenly Father God, that as we go over this message today, we pray that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord God. Touch them and speak to them in your own special way. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We magnify thy name. In the master's name of Jesus, amen. Praise God, praise God. Again, welcome to Genesis 1. Glad you could join us here today. And uh, right at the onset here, why don't you go get your Bible, hit pause, go get your Bible, a pencil, a pen, a highlight, or a marker or something, and maybe some paper to take some notes on. Because you'd be surprised as we mark up our Bibles, as we listen to these messages, you'd be surprised how your markings in your Bible will come back to help you and assist you later on in life as the problems of day-to-day living kind of rise up before you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to talk a little bit about um, about uh, signs uh, and so forth. Uh, as you recall, in Scripture, the apostles asked Jesus, uh, give me a sign. Give me a sign, Rabbi. Give me a sign, Master, a sign of the times and things like that. And many times we, uh, in our day-to-day walks, we, we, we look for signs too. You know, we have prayers out there. We have things that are going on in our lives. We have storms that arise in our lives. And, and sometimes we, in, in a moment of weakness, start wondering, Lord God, give me a sign that you're there. You know, give me a sign that you really, really care for me. Give me a sign, oh Lord God, that everything that you said in your word is true because right now I'm going through this storm in my life and I would welcome to have a sign from you, you know. Well, there, there are signs out there. God gives us signs. And, and many times the most obvious signs we don't even think of as being a sign. We don't even realize that they are a sign. So we're going to talk about one of those signs today. And believe it or not, it's about the rainbow. Amen. It's about the rainbow as a sign. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, okay, Pastor Mike, I know where you're going. You're going with Noah's Ark with this thing, with the, with about, about the rainbow. Okay. And I say, well, yeah, you are right. But in looking at the story of Noah, the events of Noah, okay, I want to say to you today that there's a lot more deep spiritual meaning there than many times we realize. We've all heard the story of Noah's Ark, you know, and the events from the time that we were kids. You know, we had little little Bible study books, little books when we were little, and they always show the ark and the animals two by two by two and two. But but how many times have we really stopped and stopped to to give some deep thought and let Holy Spirit minister to us in terms of sharing with us exactly what the whole significance of the events that happened to Noah are? So, what in the Bible? Where does the Bible first mention the rainbow? And of course, we know that it's with Noah's Ark. The first references concerning Noah and the rainbow that God displayed in the sky represented the promise or the covenant that God would never again destroy the earth by a flood. Okay, that was the sign. There was a covenant telling Noah, I put this rainbow up there as a token, as a sign, as a covenant that I will never destroy the earth by flood again. But there's also other meaning in that rainbow. Okay, so let's kind of like to start at the beginning here and let's go to Genesis 9 verse 8. Genesis 9, verse number 8. Verse number 8. And God spoke unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. With your seed after you. So right away we see now, we see that God is talking about us. Said to Noah, with you and the seed after you, after you. 
and with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be, uh, be any more a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I made between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations, for perpetual generations. In other words, this isn't only just for you. This is going to extend into, into infinity, if you will, perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. Amen? That is upon the earth. So you see here, right there, God talks about this rainbow and how it is a covenant, okay, between me and you. And, it's, and not only for Noah, but going into perpetual generations. God made this covenant with, uh, with Noah regarding his creation. The events in the book of Genesis introduce us to how God initiates and makes covenants with his chosen people. Now, in, as, as far as covenants are concerned, in the Bible, the Bible speaks of uh, seven specific covenants. Okay, and the first one, first covenant that God made was the Adamic covenant. Okay, and obviously that was made with Adam. And then the Noahic covenant, which is what we're going to talk about today. Then it was the Abrahamic covenant with Abraham, the Mosaic covenant with Moses, the Davidic covenant with David. And then the last one is the new and everlasting covenant. And that's concerning Jesus Christ. So with that, let's go to Hebrews 12, 22. Hebrews 12, verse 22, and it says there, But you are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Underline that, please. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of, of angels, okay? Of Abel, sorry. So you see there the covenant here is, is, is referring to the, the last one there, Jesus Christ, because that's the, that's the end all of all covenants. I mean, you know, the covenant that God made shedding the blood of Jesus and the promise of salvation and all of that, that's another covenant that the Bible references, and of course a very, very important one. A covenant is more than a promise. It is usually a formal agreement between two or more persons to do or to not do something. A covenant establishes a relationship, a relationship between two parties, similar to a legal government document. So let's talk a bit about the Old Testament events leading up to the Noahic covenant, covenant with Noah, and they are as follows. We have to start at the beginning. So going now, we're going to go back to Genesis 5, verse 32. Genesis 5, verse 32. 
Okay. And I'm starting at 32. Actually, I want to get into verse number six, but I just want to show you a bit about ages here. You see in verse 32, it says, and Noah was 500 years old and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Okay. So we see it now, 500 years old, but this is when he gave birth to these children. This will, this will give you a little idea of how long this flood and everything took place. All right. Then verse number, uh, chapter six, verse number one, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. And daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Okay. Now, let me just pause just for a little bit here and, and go, go a little sidebar here, where it says the sons of God. Now, there's been a lot of discussion and you know debate over the many years and things uh, that the sons of God they was referring to angels. Okay, the sons of God or angels saw the daughters of men that they were fair and took them wives of which all that they chose. Okay. Now. We know for a fact that this is not referring to angels. The sons of God is not talking about angels here. The sons of God are referring to those people that came from the line of Seth. Seth was the third son of Adam and Eve. Okay, After Cain slew Abel, they had another boy. And you can look in Genesis and see that. And it was Seth. And the word of God says, and after Seth, is that people returned to God. People returned to God. So the, the, the descendants of Seth were godly people, or as this says here, the sons of God. So the, the, the lineage of Seth, these, these men saw the daughters of men that were, and they were fair. The daughters of men in this case is separating the sons of God being people that followed God and the daughters of men were people that were carnal in nature. They were, they, they were, were, were not spiritual and related to God. They were not following after God. They were worldly people, carnal people and so forth. All right. So here what we see is that we have the godly line of Seth marrying into non-believers, marrying into unbelievers okay that's what this is getting at here because and that's setting a stage that's building a foundation for the following scriptures then in verse number three says and the lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he he also is flesh yet his days shall be 120 years okay now from from noah's 500 years you just saw now god is saying here the days are going to be be limited to 120 years there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God, okay, now these are, the, these are the, the lineage of Seth, the godly people, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same being mighty men, which were of old men of renown. All right. So here again, he is saying here now, as those um, uh, godly people of Seth, the men married into the, the unbelieving people of, uh, you know, of, of the earth there. Um, uh, there they were children that were born, okay? And as a result of that, it says there that they bear children to them. Some became mighty men, which uh, of old and men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So as a result of these linkages, these marriages between the godly people and the, and the unbelievers here, you know, chaos developed, chaos ensued, evil and wickedness started filling the earth. All right. This is what happens when you start mixing good with evil. All right. And that's why the word of God says that we should not be unequally yoked. Okay, we should not be unequally yoked. You have to be very, very careful. You know, you're looking for a woman, you're looking for a man, and, and you're a believer, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a Christian and what, and, and it, you feel like you're being attracted to someone that is not a believer. You need to really seriously pray and ask the Lord to show you, is this the person for you? 
Okay. God may want you to, to, to connect with this person. Maybe God wants you to minister to them, to save them. You know, it could be, but you need to be very, very careful and just don't go barreling ahead. You know, men, women, you're out there looking for a mate, looking for a husband, looking for a wife. Just don't fall for the first guy or woman, the woman that you see, you pray about, especially if they are not believers. All right. Okay. So as a result of this, what it's saying here is that, is that the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And verse number six says, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Okay, now just a moment on the word there, repent. Okay, this is not, that word there is not meaning the same word for repent as we repent when we've sinned. God does not sin. There's no sin in God at all. So he can't therefore repent in the sense of that word repent the way that we do. Okay, what this word here is saying in the original language is saying, is saying that, that, that God, God remember now is, is omniscient. He knows all things. God knows the future of all of us. God knows the future of every single path that we might take, all right? Every single path that we might take. In other words, if we decide to go down driving to work by Main Street, God knows our future by going through Main Street. Any accidents or whatever may be on that way, hold up. God knows the outcome of that, that decision to go down Main Street. If we choose to go to work going down First Street, let's just say, God also knows the outcome of us going down First Street, all right? Now, God may say, if he goes down Main Street, this is my course of action for him going down Main Street. If he goes down First Street, this is my course of action if he goes down First Street, all right? So what this is saying is that, is that God, God had a plan for man, and man choosing to pursue wickedness, God had to follow out his plan if man was to go down the wickedness path. It's not that he was repenting of anything. It says that he, God has two options before him. He knows the outcome of both, depending on how man is behaving. That's the direction God is saying. That's the direction, and that will dictate my actions towards man if he take, goes in that direction. All right, so that's, what, that's what, what that means. And it repented of the Lord that he made man as earth, and it grieved him at his heart. He was sorry to see man going this way, but God had to pursue the actions that he, uh, that he deemed necessary to address that particular action. Okay. Uh, then it says in verse number seven, and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repents me that I have made them. Okay. So because of this now, he has to pursue a, 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 a specific direction, if you will. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Okay. Among all of the wickedness and evil that was going on there, Noah found grace in the Lord. There's a lot of wickedness and evil that's going around us, saints of God, as you well know. You pick up the newspapers, you look at what's going on TV, on the news, I mean, or what you may hear or see around you in your community, in your neighborhood, you know there's a lot of evil that's going on, okay? It really challenges us as Christians to stay true to God and to remain a believer, okay, so that God indeed will, will find grace in what we're doing, okay? We need to make sure that we're finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. So Noah despite all that was going on around him and all this evil, it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So here, man was just working in concert with himself there to just do all sorts of evil. Anything went, okay? Anything goes, okay? In the mind of evil person, there is no law. Lawlessness was taking place. 
We see that happening today. Lawlessness is all around us because people, many people are saying, unbelievers are saying, if it feels good, if it seems right to me, I can go on and do it. There's not going to be any repercussions to me doing that. No punishment, you know, nothing at all. So whatever feels good to me, if I think it's a good idea, I can just go on and do it. This was the way of this ancient world. Okay. They were, they, they were corrupt as the word of God says. They were corrupt. Um, verse number uh, 13 goes on to say, and God said unto Noah, and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. Now I won't get into what that equals in inches. It's, that's a study in itself. But anyway, uh, a window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant. With you, Noah, because you've been, you've been righteous, you've been following my word, you've been obedient to me, but with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive and take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten and thou shalt gather it to thee and it shall be before be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So please underline in verse 22, thus did Noah, underline that word did, according to all that God commanded him, so did he, underline that word did again. Again, he was obedient. Now, to Noah, and probably to you and I, okay, living in an area where there was no water, okay, and we did not know what this thing, rain, was, was because the word of God says that earlier in Genesis there, when it's describing the garden, the word of God says that there was no rain in those days, therefore a mist, a mist rose up from the ground and settled to rain all of the plant life in the, in the, in the garden there, because it hadn't rained yet. So up until now, Noah didn't even know what rain was, but now God was telling him, this is what's going to happen. How many of us are bold enough and, and believe and trust God enough that when God tells you that there's something miraculous about to happen in your life or something different going to happen in your life that you just go on and do what God is telling you to do. That issue that you're wrestling with right now, God may tell you that this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to come down. And what I want you to do is A, B, C, and D. Do you stand there and question God? But God, how is that possible? Gee whiz. Noah could have said, but look, what is this stuff rain? There's no water around me. How's there going to be this great flood that you're talking about? God, Noah simply did what God called him to do. We have to make sure that we do the same. All right? Whatever it is you may be wrestling with, God may whisper to you, quietly tell you in your heart of hearts, Holy Spirit may tell you that this is what is going to come down and this is what I need you to do. Regardless of how impossible it may seem or how ridiculous it may seem, you make sure you do to the letter 
God was very specific. So many cubits by so many cubits by so many cubits. God may tell you specifically, this is what I want you to do, A, B, C, and D. You don't argue with God. You simply do. 22 says, thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So did he. Right? And then it continues here in uh, in chapter uh, 7 here. And the Lord said unto Noah, come thou, uh, come thou in all thy house unto the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this congregation. Again, he's telling him, he's telling him that you've been a righteous man. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens. Every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens. Clean beast by sevens. You, you can underline that. Every clean beast take by sevens, the male and female. And of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also by the air of the air by sevens, the male and female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. All right. So he's telling him to bring these animals in because God, the master planner, he's saying, after I kill off everything on this planet, you know, we're going to have to rebuild. These animals are going to have to multiply and replenish themselves. So God is telling them how many animals to take, to take out two by two, of course, male and female, so that they can they can multiply, so they can they can procreate. God did not say take male and female and sex A and sex B or some other sexes or whatever, because today, you know, according to the world around us, there's a pantheon of sexes. There's a myriad of sexes. Okay. There's a wide spectrum of sexes. Okay. Beyond male and female. God didn't mention all of that. God said male and female, because that is the only way that a species can procreate, can have babies to, to, to replenish and multiply on the face of the earth, male and female. Now, getting back to the clean, I told you to underline that word clean, where it says that every beast thou shalt take thee by sevens. God wanted an abundance of the clean beasts because if you look in Leviticus, so chapter 11, round about there, God gets very detailed in, 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 telling, in telling the Israelites what they can eat, what they can eat, what they can and cannot eat. So that those things that they could eat were considered clean animals. And the reason why God wanted an abundance of them, because they also needed those animals for sacrifice. Okay, God wanted them to continue the sacrifices while they were on this, quote unquote, on this voyage. All right. Which also applies to us. While God has us on this, quote unquote, voyage, navigating us through whatever storms are going on in our lives, while you're experiencing whatever God may be permitting you to go through. We have to remember to, to quote unquote, obviously we don't do live sacrifices. We have to remember to worship God, to praise God, to continue tithing, to continue sacrificially praising him, to continue worshiping him all during the time of the voyage that you may be going through a storm that you have right now going on in your life. So in other words, just because something is really radically new here, Jesus, Lord, you got me, you told me to build this ark. That's something new. Never heard of that. You told me to take all these animals in, aboard. There's something never happened before in my life. You told me that this is going to happen. This is a whole, a whole new experience for me, Lord. So therefore I'm going to forget going to church. I'm going to forget worshiping you, Lord. No, 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 no. God told him to make provisions by having plenty of those animals there, plenty of food, because while they had to eat, they also had to give sacrifices to God. Okay. We continue here in verse number four. Uh, Let me go back to three and then go right through. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, telling Moses, in seven days now, in seven days, I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy off the face of the earth. And Noah did, Noah did according to 
all that the Lord commanded him to do. There it is again. And Noah did. He was obedient. Uh, and Noah did. And six. And Noah was 600 years old, 600 years old now, when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood of clean beasts and beasts that are not clean and fowls of the uh, and of fowls and everything that creepeth upon the earth. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. All right. So not only was water coming down from above in the form of rain. okay, but whatever waters were in caverns or whatever, when it says the fountains of the deep, whatever waters were were penned up, so to speak, I don't know, in underwater caves or something. But wherever it was, this water just came up from up from below and also came down from above, from below and from above. Many years ago, I lived in an area in New York called Rockaway Beach, and Rockaway Beach was a peninsula, okay? And, and the whole peninsula was, oh, I don't know, uh, maybe four, five, six blocks wide. And the other side was called Jamaica Bay. And we had a flood during a, during a hurricane, bad hurricane. And the waters on the Atlantic, from the Atlantic Ocean, came up onto this little peninsula, and the Jamaica Bay on the other side also rose up, got higher, and therefore the peninsula was, club, was covered. It was a very, very bad flood. People were riding down the streets in rowboats and things like that. It was bad. So I can kind of imagine what was kind of happening here. Here we had waters from above coming down and the waters from below coming up. And the rain was upon the earth for 40 days. In the selfsame day, in the selfsame day, uh, entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and his Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. Okay, and we're going to pause there. And then I want to go down to verse number 23. The 23 where it says, and every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark and the waters prevailed upon the ark 150 days. OK, you do the math, 150 days. Right? That's almost almost six months. It's a long time to be on this voyage where where everything around you is totally submerged. No mountaintops, nothing that you can see. There's nothing but water that is all around you. God returned Noah and family to dry land on Mount Ararat after that, Ararat. And if we continue here in chapter 8, verse number 1, and God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark, uh, in the ark, and God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated and the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventh day of the sev- uh, 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month on the first day of the month were the tops of the mountains seen. So the water was so deep that even the mountaintops could not be seen at that time. It was so deep, could not be seen. All right? 
And it came to pass, excuse me, it came to pass at the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth, uh, he sent forth a, uh, he sent forth a raven, which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. And he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her into the ark. And he he stayed yet another seven days. And again, he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from the earth. Okay, if the dove found that that olive branch, then it had to be had to be some land, had to be a bush, an olive bush out there someplace. And he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again to him anymore. Came to pass in the six hundredth and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from the from the earth. Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. And God spoke again, spoke unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee, all the flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, of every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. He's telling him now to replenish the earth. Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the earth. Or, um, earth. And Noah built it an altar unto the Lord. Noah built it an, an altar unto the Lord. In other words, he went to church. Okay. After you've gone through your storm and you finally see some sunlight through your storm here, okay, remember to go and bless God. Remember to go and bless God. Thank him and praise him and worship him. So many times while we are in the storm in our lives, you know, we're frantically crying out to God. We're praying regularly, maybe morning, noon and night. And we're reading our Bible more than ever and so forth. And we're singing psalms to ourselves and and hymns and all sorts of Christian music we're singing. And we're praying and we're crying out to God. Then when God delivers you, we kind of just go back to everyday life without him. Right. After that storm, after that flood, Noah built an altar. So we need to make sure that when God blesses us and brings us through whatever he's, we're going through, remember that we need to build an altar, okay, and go back and praise God and to thank him, all right? Noah built an altar unto the Lord, verse 20, and took a very clean beast and very clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. Okay. See, he said there that man's heart is evil from his youth. But he said he's not going to smite the earth in that way again. Verse 22 says, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter. And day and night shall not cease. Underline shall not cease. In other words, saints of God, no matter what is going on, okay, all right, all right, things are not going to cease on this planet Earth. 
That means, again, getting back to that climate change that just pops into mind where people are around here uh, speaking and crying such doom and destruction that climate change now is an existential uh, uh, threat. They love to use that term. An existential threat is worse than, is worse than nuclear war. It's more of a bigger threat than potential nuclear war. All right. You know, the, the planet, we're going to kill off the planet if we don't decrease our carbon footprint and all the other, all the other mantras that they spout out there. Okay. This planet is not going any place until God wants it to go someplace, all right? Until God does his new creation. We know Revelation tells us about all of that. So all I'm saying to you is that please don't write me and all of that stuff like, about, you know, about, gee, as Pastor Mike does not believe in climate change. I'm not saying I don't believe in climate change, okay? The, the climate has been changing off and on for millennia, you know, since God created it, the climate's been changing. And I'm better for worse or whatever. I'm not saying there's no such thing as climate change. What I am saying that for you as a child of God, if you are a believer, that you should not get caught up in the panic that what man does or does not do is going to affect the outcome of this planet. God is the only one that's in charge. Okay. We don't have to be worried about typhoons and weather and things like that and, and how much carbon's in the air. God, and if you're a believer, you should have faith and trust in God that God will bring us through. Earth, this planet is going to follow the exact course that God has prescribed for it to follow. Okay. All I'm just saying, don't let these people frighten you to death with the threat of climate change. Kill off all of the animals. No, no more, what was it? No more cows because they're, they're polluting the air, air with mess, with methane and no more this and no more that. You know, I'm just saying, don't let yourself get caught up in that fear because they are indeed fear mongering. Okay. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. All right. So use some reason. Let Holy Spirit guide you. Be at peace, saints of God. We have enough going on in our lives to be worrying about the, the threats and the fears that they try to sow with that. God said it, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Amen. Amen. So we, we continue here into ver, uh, chapter nine and, and God blessed. Uh, I want to start with verse number eight in chapter nine. Okay. Chapter nine, verse number eight. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him saying, and I behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. Okay, seed after you, that again spills down to us. And with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, and every living and every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there be any more be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a token or a sign, a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you. And every living creature of all flesh and the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud. And I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. So that rainbow is a, is, is a token. It's a reminder of the covenant that God has made. We are of that perpetual generation that's talking about. Hey, that comes from Noah. Okay. After the earth was wiped out, there was no other men around this earth. That was it. Okay. So Noah and through, through his sons and daughters that went back and, and, and filtered out throughout the earth. That's where the generations of man indeed were recreated. 
and we re- and multiply to create the earth. So that means that this covenant with God is saying that I will put the bow in the cloud and, and you will see that this is, is a reminder. It's a token. It's a sign of my relationship to you. That applies to us today. So when we see that rainbow that we just take so for granted when we're driving or walking along the street after a storm, we see that rainbow and we look up and we say, "Ooh, ah, oh, isn't that pretty? And we admire it and so on. You stop and think about what that really means to God. Nothing has changed in God's mind. That's a reminder to us that he has a covenant with us. He has promised to bless us, that he has promised to take care of us, that he's not going to destroy this earth by water again. I mean, all of the things that the scriptures tell you, that's a covenant, that God loves you. You're looking for a sign that is God with you? Is God still there? Does he care about what's happening? You think about that the next time you see a rainbow, okay? And just don't go taking it for granted. You know, and how has God's promise been fulfilled in history? Well, you know, we have geologists, they have found evidence and, and have theorized that the great flood described here in Genesis, that it actually occurred, according to the two, two, two geologists. geologists. Scientists have, have not reported any evidence of another widespread flood of that nature after the formation of the continents and the human settlement on the lands of the earth and the lands of the earth. And this is from the scientists and the geologists. Anthropologists, those that study, study man and the, uh, the, the backgrounds of men, uh, anthropologists have discovered similar flood events in nearly every society on earth, including and not limited to the Greeks, to Native Americans, Polynesians, Aboriginals, um, the, the, the Celtics, the Norse, the Irish. All right? They've all found instances where, the, where, where there are events that are described in their books, in, in, their, uh, in, their, in their history, that talk about a similar event that happened. Okay, that's very, very close to what the Bible says about, about Noah. Nearly, nearly every one of those stories are virtually the same. Nearly every one of those stories talk about a great flood that occurred, cleansing the human race uh, due to the level of sin and a flood that covered the entire earth. The floodwaters caused great destruction and cleansing of the planet. Another prophecy of Isaiah specifically mentions God's covenant with Noah and to destroy the earth by flood again. Let's go to Isaiah 54, uh, verse number 7. Isaiah 54. Thank you, Jesus. Verse number 7. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, said the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that has mercy on thee. All right, so remember that. So remember that. God will be angry, okay, but he said that, said that my wrath is not going to be poured out the way it was before. The mountains shall depart, the hills will be, uh, shall be uh, removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall my covenant of my peace be removed. So remember that the covenant and the, the promise of peace that he said back here, he says here, and that he told Noah still exists to us today. And we should remember that when we start getting worried about where we're going in life. And is God there for us? As always, while we have the wondrous works of God before us, man takes God's work and tries to corrupt it for their own purposes. Today, we see plenty of rainbows around us, plenty of rainbows around us. 
rainbows flags. You see rainbows on the uh, 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 T-shirts of little children. You see rainbows here, rainbows here. All right. But it is not the same rainbow that God is talking about. It seems that we see that we, we see a, a rainbow type things uh, in government agencies. We see it in some sports clubs. We see rainbow related flags and other paraphernalia in schools and in supermarkets. And even some churches are very, very quick to show their support for alternative life, lifestyles by displaying rainbow type flags. Okay. Right? So here we see man is again taking something that God meant for, for, for blessing and for hope and for joy to you, for you to know that God, creator of all things, they've taken that rainbow, they've co-opted that rainbow to mean something entirely different. And of course, that rainbow, as I said, isn't really a rainbow at all. The rainbow that we see out there today, the man-made rainbow, I'll just let it go at that by calling it the man-made rainbow, it has only six colors. But as Christians, we know that the rainbow, the real rainbow, symbolizes something very, very different. It, the true meaning comes from the Bible. God's rainbow has seven colors, and they are red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. And violet. The arc of colors in a rainbow had religious significance for the early Hebrew people. God asked Moses to use the colors blue, purple, and scarlet in the curtains for his tabernacle, the tabernacle, which was sort of a portable temple that the Israels used uh, as they were on their way to the promised land. They erected it and took it down, erected it. We also see that the, uh, the, the, the colors of, the rain, of God's rainbow represented atonement for seeking a better relationship between God and people. The prophet Ezekiel compares the brilliance of his vision of God's glory to a rainbow in Ezekiel 1:28. As the rainbow appears that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of his rainbow all around him, you see? So the rainbow has, has deep spiritual significance, all right? The rainbow, as it shines in the sky after a rain, it's just the, just the beginning to reveal the sun. A rainbow reminds us of God's faithfulness in stormy times in our lives. Big difference from what man has man has deemed to be to be uh, 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 useful in terms of some other some other uh, uh, twists on God's rainbow. God's rainbow has a lot of deep spiritual meaning. It says in Revelation four verses one to three. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door opened in heaven, and a rainbow was around the throne. Again, the rainbow deep spiritual significance. From Genesis to Revelation, saying a rainbow is an important symbol of God's presence and power. Seeing a rainbow's beauty is awe-inspiring in biblical times and now. Sighting a rainbow after a storm, so it was to Noah, a symbol for faith, for the enduring gifts of God's grace and mercy. It is a sign that God has made a promise that peace will follow us after the storms in our lives. Let me say that again. It is a sign that God has made a promise that peace will follow us after the storms in our lives. The rainbow continues to be a symbol of God's faithfulness and mercy. As in the rainbow around the throne in Revelation 4.3, the rainbow symbolizes hope and trust in God. Next time you see a rainbow, you think about that. The rainbow reminds us of how much God loves us. So the rainbow is not merely a symbol. It's not simply part of an ancient story. It is a living example of God's faithfulness to us in our lives. It's an assurance that God has not forgotten us and that he continues to work in this world. So the next time you see a rainbow, take the time to remember the true meaning of the rainbow and our covenant-making, loving, covenant-keeping God. Amen? You think about that. Think about that. Right? God is powerful and he's awful. He cares for us so much 
there are so many ways that he just reminds us and tell us that he is there. He is there. And again, as I started out by saying the rainbow is one thing, we just kind of simply forget what it really, really means. Okay? Beautiful sight to see and behold. But remember, God loves you. And if you spotted that rainbow, maybe he's trying to tell you something again, that he's there for you. He will be there for you. He will bring you through whatever it is, whatever storm, whatever flood in life you're going through. He will indeed be with you and bring you through it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, please tell others where we can be found. We can be reached at www.genesis1.sermon.net, www.genesis1.sermon.net. If you look at the top of the page, you'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when these messages are available. Uh, we're on YouTube. Just do a search for Genesis One Christian Ministries. And we have free apps for Apple and Android devices. And those apps can be downloaded free of charge from the respective uh, Play Stores for those platforms. Uh, amen. And of course, if you are ever in the Salem, Oregon uh, area, please, please stop by to visit us. We would love to have you, love to see you there to fellowship with us, pray with us, and let us pray for you. Uh, and we, uh, we meet at uh, 2651 Commercial Street Southeast, 2651 Commercial Street Southeast. That's in the Candelaria Terrace section of Salem, Oregon. 10.30 a.m. are our, our, our sermons, the meetings, the services start. Amen. So come on by, join us, fellowship with us, and let's praise the Lord together. Amen. Amen. So again, praise God. I hope the message was a blessing to you. And now let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. And now we pray that as we go through the balance of the day and the week ahead of us until next time, that we shall remember these words that we've heard, O oh Lord God. Let us forever be thankful in God and to praise you for the many signs that you've given us, in particular the rainbow that we've so often overlooked in all of our lives, O oh Lord. We praise you, Lord God. We just bless thy most wondrous name, O oh Lord God. And we give it all to you for your honor and your glory and your praise. And all these things together, the church said, amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. Go forth and be blessed and know always that Jesus is Lord 